Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, good morning. It's Thursday. I'm running behind the week, obviously, because the Shavuos, so that's just the way it's going to be. I'll do the Parsha this morning, say a few words. Today's uh, talk is in memory of my very good friend, Dr. Jerry Safford. Yesterday was the yard site. Lynn and the family are sponsoring this. That will be the Bambergers and the Liebmans and uh, Linda Safford, uh, my very, very good friend. I don't have too many good friends. I'm not that type. Who passed away a number of years ago. I can't remember how long it is now. Uh, uh, very straight person. So let's talk about unstraight people. And that's uh, this week's partial. We got Noso. <coughs> As you know, Noso at the end is Carbonell, Kars, Kazabachash, Loshin, Mel, Mishko, over and over again with the uh, with the Nassim. I don't want to get into that too much. That's uh, Moshe Rabbeinu or God trying to accommodate traditionalistic societies. Everybody has to have an aliyah. <laughs> so, one of those bar mitzvahs, you ever been to those? When I was young, they're more fashionable. 10,000 aliyahs, because God forbid you should skip your third cousin twice removed and not give him something or other. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, that's what they had to do with the car, with the carbonus. But the heart of the parish, of course, are the, the, the two fascinating uh, ceremonies of the Soto on the one hand and the Nazir on the other. That's why uh, Haftar is about Shimshon, who I spoke about yesterday. He was a, uh, I won't say a classic Nazir, because Shimshon is not a classic Nazir, but it's a classic story of Nazir. But I want to say uh, a few thoughts about Soto. This, of course, is where the husband suspects the wife, and um, he suspects her being a Soto. The word Soto means that she was adulterous. So what you and I call Soto is really a suffix Soto. Not to be technical about it. You know, so it means to go off the derrick. Now, um, we have here a very funny ceremony. You know, the husband suspects the wife. And after going through all these ceremonies, she drinks the water. If it's positive, it's positive. If it's negative, it's negative. And, um, you know, when you first read, especially now, it's like a one-way street. How come she's the one that has to be the object of suspicion? What about him? You know, it's a one-way street. Now, the truth of the matter is you'll answer like this. Well, the husband can have more than one wife. The wife can't have more than one husband. That is true in the old days. That is true. But that doesn't mean that he's allowed to um, commit adultery or something like that. No, let's put it this way. You have a husband and wife. Okay? You could have a husband and ten wives in those days. So it's true that if she is married to him, she can't have anything to do with, with anybody else under any circumstances. Right, she can't have be with a with a bachelor, with a stranger, with a this, that, and the other. On the other hand, those exact restrictions don't apply to him, because he can have more than one wife. So therefore, it's a polygamy society. That's the trouble with the biblical period. It's a polygamy society. That's the cause of all the uh, of the ills, you know, because you have several wives and each one has several sets of children, and right off the bat, it's a civil war among the children. The Book of Bereshit is full of that. We understand that. Nevertheless, whatever, for whatever reason, they have polygamy. But they don't have polyandry, so he can have more than one wife, she can't have more than one husband. So if he was to have relations with somebody who was single, 
the penuya. Uh, so the white, uh, that's not a, a technical affair. It's not adultery. Let's put it that way. It's not adultery. On the other hand, if she has relations with a bachelor, with a single guy, it is. So that part's not fair, so to speak. In other words, that's a one, one-way street. However, however, it's not exactly totally that way. There are many people he's not allowed to be with. So right off the top of your uh, the hat, a married man who's married to this person can't have an affair with a woman who's married to somebody else, an HSH, right? Just because he can have more than one wife, that's got nothing to do with somebody else's wife. In addition, there are all these other prohibited relationships, what they call chayvei lab, chayvei cars, and so forth. Obviously, ancestral ancestral relations or chayvei lab, you know, he's a coming he can't have anything to do with a grusha, and so on and so forth, right? I mean, we could debate whether it's derechishas or not, but, you know, basically, he has restrictions as well. So, um, why am I bringing this out? It's a very interesting uh, passage. I'll tell you, when I was thinking about the Pasha sitting down this morning, what to talk about, the, the Pasha came to my mind, the very famous Pasha at the very end of the passage on Soto in this week's Pasha, where it says, V'niko ishmi avon v'isha iti sa'azavoneho. V'niko ishmi avon v'isha iti sa'azavoneho. That the man will be clear of sin and the woman will bear her own sin. So what does that mean? So Rashi here and all the other Chumash commentaries, for the most part, they say like this. The husband suspected the wife. He put her through the ceremony. I have to be very clear about this. And I, I do want to be clear. Um, I say he put her through the ceremony of drinking the waters. She doesn't have to. Okay? Let's get one thing clear. A woman, even who commits adultery, cannot be convicted without due process. So, let's say it happened. Let's say she was married to A and she had an affair with B. Let's say it happened. If there weren't two witnesses who saw the whole thing and warned her beforehand, what we call in Jewish law due process, which is a high bar, she cannot be punished. You understand what I'm saying? There's no uh, stoning or anything like that for somebody who commits a sin without the necessary evidence and, uh, you know, uh, witnesses and all the other stuff that the Jewish law requires. It's not simply that somebody commits something and automatically, you know, they get something down their back. It doesn't work like that. Nevertheless, if you just to, to clarify, I mean, uh, many of you know, many of you don't know. Suppose a guy suspected his wife of being involved with someone else. And uh, she said, I did it. Um, what would happen at that point? I'm talking about legally. Uh, she doesn't get killed or anything like that. There's no there's no witnesses. There was no warning to her beforehand and so on and so forth. The answer is she, they'd have to get divorced. Okay? They'd have to get divorced. Uh, and she'd go on her way and he'd go on her way. She might lose her exhibit, but she, you know, she'd go on her way and he'd go on his way. That that That's how that works. Now, um, the husband suspects the wife in the laws of uh, Soto. There's a whole ceremony. He's got to warn her in front of witnesses and all that. It's a long time since I learned Soto, but the basics, I remember, um, she had to put herself in something of a compromising situation. You know, the husband had to basically say, why are you always hanging around with this guy? And why the two of you spending three hours in a hotel together or something like that, you know? So it's an incriminating kind of behavior. Now, um, although there was no witnesses, as they said before. So if he says, I think that you did something wrong, and she says, I didn't. Then he says, 
The only way to clear up the situation is to go through the Sota ceremony, in which case, if you're telling the truth, you have nothing to worry about. If you're not, you'll die. She can at that point say, I guess I don't want to do it. Right? I'm going to do it. So then they would get divorced. That's all. There'd be no uh, uh, execution of her or anything like that. She wouldn't be flogged. So let's make that clear. Now, as I said before, it's a one-way street. He's accusing her because Caesar's wife has to be above reproach. What about him? Does he have to be above reproach? This is a very interesting point. Now, Rashi and the Chumash and Yizalim don't say it. They simply say, suppose a guy suspected his wife and she said, I'll go through the ceremony. And she drank and she died. Um, it's not the husband's fault. The man is clear to sin. He did what he's supposed to do. Obviously, his wife was guilty of adultery. So he shouldn't feel bad about it. He can move on with a clear conscience. It was her own fault. Alternatively, let's say she drank the water and nothing happened. So she was cleared. So then people say to the husband, you jerk. You accused an innocent woman. No. No. The man is cleared of sin. If the wife was really kinui and steer and all this other stuff, if he was involved with her in the way we described, in other words, he was in, in uh, what's the right word, circumstantial evidence, compromising circumstantial evidence. She lived the life close to the edge, let's say, right? She, you know, she lived, she engaged in provocative behavior. She ran, you know, she went, she went away with a weekend with the guy or something like that. I don't know. Now, Lamaisa, nothing happened because she drank the water. And, you know, maybe they were just friends that had a, quote unquote, a good time to went to a restaurant together and so forth. And nothing physical happened. So people say, see, you suspect your wife for nothing. Wrong. The guy did what was right. Since his wife engaged in such flagrant behavior, he was entitled, he was right, to go and warn her and say, stay away from the guy. And she bears the sin. And knows, even though she turned at the end to be okay, vindicated, but uh, her conduct was uh, not right. And her conduct led to this whole um, embarrassing situation where they had to go to the base of Migdash and, you know, dishevel her hair and, you know, pull down her, whatever they do. You know, it's a it's, it's a public humiliation ceremony. No, she should not have brought it on. Okay? She should not have brought it on. Now, um, what if you have a Meshuggah? Oh, hold on for a second. Oh, hey, somebody just interrupted me with a shiloh. <laughs> where was I? I think it was talking about the Soto. And the point I was trying to make is, I think, um, what if the guy, as I said before, it's like a, a one-way street, but not exactly. It's a fascinating thing. It's a Nico Ishmael Oven, but Savona. So I told you the regular interpretations. How, you know, so the guy shouldn't feel guilty, you know, whatever. Because after all, her conduct led to the whole um, situation. Every time about a guy who freaks out, the Gemara criticizes people to just makana, you know, for nothing. There is such a thing called a crazed husband, you understand? What can you do? The Torah can't legislate against that any more than American society can. You can have, uh, you know, when it comes to marriage relationships, it's all kind of possibilities, from the extreme normal to the extreme nuts. And I've seen them all, so have you. So, you know, you can have um, a wife who's insanely jealous and a husband, even the husband didn't do anything. You could have the other way around. You know, th- that is the way of the world, unfortunately. But we're talking about normal. The hotel is my normal. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Gemara says, 
And so it's a steer in Rashi, actually. Rashi here in the in the Chumash says the guy shouldn't have a, a guilty conscience. But the Gemara says, very famous, very controversial Gemara, very interesting Gemara, in Sotim M. Zion, it says like this, So what does that mean? That the that the Sotim will only work, he's accusing her of being immoral. Well, don't be a hypocrite. If you're a hypocrite, it won't work. You understand? It's not going to work. If the man is menuka miyava, you understand? If he leads a moral life, then he has the right to criticize his wife. But if he doesn't live a moral life, then that's hypocrisy, then it, then it won't work. Right? God will not put up for that. And uh, that's just very, very interesting, because what does it mean he leads, leads an immoral life? So it all depends how you interpret it. There are different schools in Chazal, like with the Ben Sur and Moer, you find sometimes, that they, the things that they, this is my opinion, the things that they had some kind of moral qualms about, but it's Nechomish anyway, they try to restrict this application. Like they'll say, for example, Ben Saramar never happened or something like that, you know, even though others say it happened. So similarly over here, as I said before, it's it, since it's a one-way street, it could lead to abuse. Anytime there's a, a a law, halacha, or any kind of law in any system in which favors the men over the women, women over the men, and the whole world is full of those kind of uh, laws. Uh, so it can lead itself to abuse. Like, you know, today, for example... These bad husbands won't give the wife the get. She has a gun and so forth. They're taking advantage of the fact that the law is favoring the man. He gives the get and not her. So that creates an imbalance of power, as you understand. So we have something like that over here. So you'll see they kind of uh, redress it to a degree. And the Gemara says in Mem Zion, uh, if he, so basically, the way you read the pasuk is like this: "Vaniko oven Only if you're minuka, only if you live a clean life, then then you can talk about her being guilty. But if you're a hypocrite and you don't lead a clean life, then you have no rights to, to to do anything to her, and the water won't work. And Rashi says, "Minuka meavon niuf beisha haasurelo," that uh, has he ever engaged in an illicit relationship? Right? What, in other words, was he did he ever engage in a illegal relationship in the following way? Once he accuses his wife of the being a soto, he's not allowed to live with her. And all kind of gemarns about that. Until the ceremony's over and having drunk the water and emerged alive, she's been vindicated, and then they resume uh life as husband and wife. So what if you had a situation, and they weren't discussing this, it's just part of life, that he accuses his wife of adultery, now she's got to go to Yerushalayim for the ceremony, and then, even after that, he goes and lives with her, they have relations. So you accused your wife, but then you went ahead and did it yourself. So in that case, you didn't observe the rules, so don't expect the soda water to work. That's uh, a Pasha way of learning, that's how Rashi says in Chavches. Uh, that, that could be. So in other words, that's a certain hypocrisy, you understand? You know, uh, you said she did something and now she can't do it. By the way, that happens in life. I remember I about told me years ago, used to do all the getting in Baltimore long, long, long ago, or many of them. I mean, we're talking a long time ago. And, you know, usually non-from couples in those days, especially. And <laughs> he, uh, husband and wife showed up for the get. 
and they executed the get. They, you know, he did it. And then they left arm in arm. <laughs> I said, where are you going? He said, we're going to spend a weekend in Atlantic City. You know what they call a get yosham. You know, you know, they said, oh, no, you're not. You know, that's how people are sometimes. So here the guy, you know, I could totally see it. On Tuesday, him and his wife had a fight. He, you know, he accused her of adultery. And uh, she became Tommy and him. No, she became Osir. And on Wednesday, you know, they had coffee together and they made up. And then whatever happened, happened. I, what happened yesterday and Tuesday, some people are like that. They fly off the temper, you know what I mean? But then they also calm down. Like they say, Noach lichos, Noach lirtos. Well, accusing wife of adultery is a big thing in halacha. And you got to keep the laws. If you don't, it doesn't work. But Rashi is more radical. I'll read it again. Only if the man is clean of sin and didn't get involved in any illicit relationships, from either no, he has to make sure that he didn't sleep with his wife that he just accused of adultery, or anyone else. Anyone else. That means like this. And this is, you know, a good lawyer will do this in a cross-examination. Once you're up on the stand, you know, they always tell you, don't do libel cases. Because we understand the other Lord can rip you to pieces. The Rambam says very famously in Hilchasota that, um, where is it over here? Call, listen closely. If you're the husband, right, and you accuse your wife of this stuff, you have, we have the right to examine your record. If you have ever, since your Bar Mitzvah, ever engaged in anything illicit or improper, then don't count on the soda water. So you have to have lived a very chaste life. If you're the average guy out there that didn't lead a chaste life for whatever reason, when you were young or so forth and so on, then um, then then whoever you marry afterwards in your life, don't ever think that if you accuse her of being a soda and she goes through and drinks the water and survives, don't think that proves anything. Because the Sota ceremony, which is a magical ceremony, will only work if you have been blameless in your own personal conduct since your bar mitzvah. That's a radical statement I just said, right? It's a Rambam in a Perkshani Hul Sota. Uh, even if you engage in a relationship that was only also midrabanan, right? Ain't a mind both going to say so. Shenemar veniko ish miavon voisha him tisa zavono bizman shehu menukum avon isha no says zavono. So and the Rambam goes on to say lefikach. Therefore, im hoisa ish to asur lo michai v'lav and michai v'yase afila shnia. If he if he and his wife. Shouldn't have been married. Let's say a coin, uh, you know, was married to a grush and accused her of adultery. Uh, that doesn't work. Because just by being married to her in the first place, you committed a crime. So that is a much more balancing and even kind of thing. If I was a woman, I was married to a guy. And I know I met this guy when we were both, I'm making this story up. I met this story when we were both 28 years old. But I had my life before him. He had his life before him. I know he wasn't so hotsy totsy. You know, you know, he got his act together eventually and we got married. But, you know, in his younger years, he was what he was. Uh, being that I know that, if I go and ever commit adultery with somebody, I'm basically going to get away with it because what's he going to do? Accuse me? 
and then we'll go to the to base of Mikdash. It's a humiliating ceremony, but if I drink the water, nothing's going to happen to me, because even if I were guilty of adultery, since I know that way back when, when he was 15, 18, 20 years old, he carried on also, even though now we're both in a different period of life, and now we're both 35, for example, um, the soda water's not going to hurt me. Yeah, the soda water's not going to hurt me, even if I were guilty, so to speak. Because, I repeat again, this is a very unique ceremony, it's a magical ceremony, when it's a magic, it's a supernatural. This is not normal stuff. And uh, the Gemara even says, and if Zera, and if you were innocent, then you have children. I mean, this is supernatural, this whole ceremony. It's quite supernatural. Now, um, the circumstances they can they can apply are, are rather limited. As I say before, it depends on a lot of things. And all the ducks have to be in a row for the, for the water to work. Now, obviously, if she dies, I mean, you know, then it worked in that situation from drinking the water. But, you know, if, if, if she doesn't die, does that automatically mean that she was innocent? That's the interesting point. And, um, you know, the, the Mepharshim go, wow, you know, where does the Ram get exactly this way from? That is a long, very long Mishnah Melch. My goodness. My goodness. There's a long Mishnah Melch over there. And he has all kind of interesting things. For example, he says that uh, if a guy, listen closely. Suppose you have a guy like I just described before. It's a Mishnah Melch. Um, so there's a guy, and he engaged in a immoral lifestyle before he was married. Uh, and now he does teshuva. So you say, well, that's a different story. No. No. Mishnah Mel says, if you did it, you did it. Don't count on the ceremony anymore. Because the sota is there, shall I say, for elevated individuals, for people who live, you know, proper lives. So that, you know, in order to maintain a very uh, proper um, marriage with everything that goes along with the notion of propriety, God will intervene and do miracles. And he'll strive to help you maintain this this um, highly moral marriage. As the Gemara says, the Shem Shemayim will be uh, Nimcha, you know, because you, you, you write the name of God and you, and, you, and you, the Parsha, and you put in the water. So God doesn't mind, it says, if you write my name and erase it, if it'll preserve a Jewish marriage. Well, there's a Jewish marriage A and Jewish marriage B. Jewish marriage A is an entirely proper one, highly moral, and you know, so on and so forth. In that case, she really breached something by acting immorally. But the two of them are both God's balls, and they both live this kind of life, and maybe he does it secretly. You know, you can't tell just the way somebody is looking from the outside. Boy, do we notice thanks to the internet today. Every week is another scandal, right? I think I told you, I had a friend who was a dying somewhere without naming names. We had this case in... Um, New York, this uh, Hasid, I want to say which Hasidic group, but I mean, dressed very, uh, in other words, dressed very Hasidic, not Labavish, it's, a, you know, a Polish Hasidic with the Shremel and everything, and um, the guy, like, and, and part of the case was, um, the, I mean, I'm telling what the guy told me, part of the case was to this guy who was Hasidic was involved in some immoral business personally in uh, Times Square or something like that, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> and they adjudicated the case, and afterwards they asked the guy, how can you, as a chassid, and dress the way you go, and so on and so forth, how can you engage in this kind of a lifestyle? And the guy was very frank. He said, listen, I'm like 35, 40 years old. I'm married, I have kids. I'm stuck in this uh, lifestyle. 
Uh, I ain't going nowhere. And so I leave, lead a double life. If it was up to me, I wouldn't be Hasidic anymore. And I'd be out of here elsewhere, but I'm, 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 I'm stuck in the middle. So therefore, I live a double life. So the point is, you look at somebody, you think you know what they're like. You don't know what they're like. I'm looking at you. I, go, I judge by the way you dress. Baloney. As they say before, we know this nowadays. So it's not a matter of chassidim. I'll just give you a vivid example. You can find this, these kind of problems you have by everybody. The Rambam famously said there never was and never will be a, a, a Jewish community. I don't care how from they won't have problems with the rice. It's the way it goes. That's why we try you know, to intelligently uh, separate uh, the two genders when possible to uh, minimize these sorts of things. It's a little old-fashioned. No, it's not. It, it, <laughs> the American society has given up on this. American side generally has given up on this. You can do whatever you want. Although I shouldn't say that. You know, I teach students and all the rest of it. American society very interesting. Um, on the one hand, in other words, Soto, they would see as something. American society says like this, you want to engage in any kind of set of relationships from A to Z and from Z to A. Any kind of relationships, that's fine. Whatever floats your boat, that's fine. It could be this, that, and the other over, under, rounds, or whatever you want. However, if you're married or you engage in some kind of, um, what's the right word, uh, commitment relationship, then they would think that adultery was wrong. In other words, even the most liberal person would say that if you're, uh, let's say, for example, married to somebody or you know, living together uh, in a serious relationship, uh, if you cheat with somebody else, they would consider that to be a moral crime, which is just interesting to me because they don't mind whole bunch of other things but you know this they see as as a moral failing of betrayal i which which i find kind of interesting um but anyway uh any husband according to the rambam anyway let's go according to the rambam not everybody agrees with this as they say before it's all mishlam according to the rambam um for you to a husband to uh accuse the wife and this and that and the other and all these laws to kick in and so on and so forth, um, you had better have had a clean record yourself. Otherwise, the wife will call your bluff. You'll say like this, Altistrine Plony, Altistrine Plony. You'll get witnesses and say, don't hang around this guy. And you'll get witnesses that she did hang around the guy. And then you'll accuse her. And she'll say, you know, she'll brazen it out. She'll say, okay, um, I'm, I, I know I'm innocent and I'll prove it. Let's go to base of me. She'll see I'll drink the water and nothing will happen to me. At that point, what happens? <laughs> you know, the husband, you know, he accused her and she can go through with it. But on the other hand, it won't really ever uh, settle anything in his mind because he knows how guilty he was. Maybe he lived a different life. You know, nowadays we have the phenomenon, phenomena of the BTs, of Bali Chuba, which is a whole separate world. And uh, especially when it comes to these kind of questions. I recall very much seeing years ago, in the Shuvis of, uh, what's the name, Rabbi Sternbuch. You know, he has a four or five volumes, maybe more now. And he was in South Africa, which is um, a major headquarters of uh, Bali Chuba. Was then, I don't know what it is now, but I assume. A lot of clothes in Bichuba. And uh, and he wrote, and he had all, a whole section of shows. I found it interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm going back 20 years now, I think. The whole section of Hilchus Bali Chuba, something like that, from these uh, Johannesburg type situations. I remember a guy got from me once, and always said, Mutter, to throw his parents' TV out the window. <laughs> you know, 
uh, things like that. One of them sticks with me, and that there was a Israeli couple. So Chilonim uh, Ashkenazim, totally fry. They got married in Israel, but they were totally secular, and then somehow or other they ended up in Johannesburg. And somewhere along the line, they got religious. It could happen. So I'm not talking about a Sephardi that were like traditional anyway and so forth. Uh, I remember that the case was Ashkenazi couple, completely fried, completely. Now, understand this well. But they were married. And as you know, in, in Israel, all the marriages are Orthodox by the Rabbanut. So they were married. They were husband and wife. And now, after married 10, 15 years, whatever it is, um, they became from. But now the wife went to Sternbuch with the following problem. And the problem was, listen, until now we were what we were. Now we're somewhere else. He said, okay, listen, we had what we call a wild and crazy marriage. You know, I did, I conducted myself the way I wanted to conduct myself. And my husband conducted all the way he, he did it. After all, we were killing him. We lived a very free lifestyle. You understand? So I was involved with all kinds of situations and my husband involved with all the situations. Now, as I pointed out to you before, the husband, there's no iser, but if the wife, if the wife had an affair with another guy, so uh, they got to get divorced. Because if a woman has an affair with another man while she's married, a man other than her husband, then not only does, do they have to get divorced, but she's also a also She can't, um, uh, what do you call it? She can't marry that person can't marry her lover. Plus, she also has to get she has to get divorced from her husband. Now, in this particular case, it's it's a, a tragedy because she goes and she tells her he tells the rabbi Sternbuch, He said, "Listen, before we lived the way we live, now we're in a different place. So, are there consequences to the way we lived before? Because I had affairs with other people. It was that kind of a marriage. We were chilonim, and um, what a tragedy would be." Dafka, by becoming from, they got to get divorced. Because here they both grew together and became BTs together in the best possible way. And I remember he twisted like a pretzel to, 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 to figure out a way that's okay for her to stay married. And the basic you said was, um, if the husband doesn't know, there, there's a there's some um, opinions like this. And there is a Mishnah Melech and, and all that in, uh, in, in, in also in the second paragraph of Sota. And um, all this kind of business of what exactly is the Isser Sota Lebo? Matter of fact, I'm opening now. I see in the new cheater book they have on it. Uh, and, you know, is there always, uh, and let's put it this way suppose the husband doesn't know, Does the, so you might say, like this, so what? But she knows. I get it. So he wanted to bring a rye, I think, from uh, Rashman, the Dharm, if my memory serves correctly, that if he, if he doesn't know, there's no Isser on him. Therefore, don't tell the husband. This is assuming the husband didn't know the particulars. I'm just trying to show you how twisted life can be when you get to the application of the laws of Soto. Uh, and as I conclude by simply pointing out, once you set a high bar, as the Rambam does for the husband, then it's not, it's not exactly a, a, a one-way street. It's more of a two-way street. Not exactly. I mean, she's not accusing him. But any husband who hasn't lived a blameless life cannot throw, what's the expression, you know, if you live in glass houses, don't throw stones. Don't accuse your wife. 
because you haven't set much of an example yourself. <coughs> and there's even a thing that if the kids, the Gemara says, if the kids committed adultery or, or, or immoral situations, also the soda water wouldn't work. Now, what's that have to do with anything? If it's that kind of a family where the kids are carrying on that way, then we kind of look at the husband as a hypocrite when he says, oh, I'm accusing my wife and so on and so forth. Really? Where do your kids pick up the behavior? Probably from you too, if you if you led such a life. Not necessarily, but most likely. And so you see, and I can, with this I conclude, that the ceremony of Sota, which seems so stark at the beginning of it, when you get involved in the actual halachas of it, has a high bar. And um, before someone's able to piously go and, uh, uh, and, and uh, accuse others, you better take a look in the mirror, buddy, and, uh, and see if you're okay. If you're not okay, then, uh, you know, don't accuse others. Let's put it this way. Don't, well, let me rephrase that. Don't expect God to intervene on your behalf in some supernatural way, because that's already a super hypocrisy. With that high note, I wish you all good Shabbos. And once again, I uh, pay tribute to the uh, memory yesterday of, uh, what do you call it, of uh, Dr. Saffer, Jerry Saffer, who is a many, say one of my closest friends and a person of great integrity, who would have had no trouble with the Dwight I just mentioned. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.